0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto-World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I will be joined today, as I am every Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column. And then after that, we will talk to Nick Minzio, who has all the important starts and sits for week four of the fantasy football season. Before all of that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings. So we very, very much appreciate it. With that out of the way, going on, Rich.
1: Yeah, you know, here we are, man, week four. And, you know, we kind of had, you know, we talked about earlier in the the first or the last show, when we started how, you know, offenses were kind of down, you know, the first two weeks, sack rates were up. We were kind of getting a little nervous, you know, wondering if it was going to turn for us. And last week we had it, man. We finally, you know, had an offensive explosion. We had actual touchdowns. Red Zone Channel actually went to multiple games, you know, and couldn't get to games when touchdowns were happening. So, you know, hopefully that we get a lot more of that moving forward, you know, into week four. And, you know, we start to, you know, we've got a real football team playing on Thursday, you know, for the first time, you know, to start the season you know and the, the Green Bay Packers so I mean we've got a real offense uh I know that we t- talked about the game uh last week being kind of negative you know coming in and then it being a phenomenal Thursday night game so hopefully that we can continue to have those happen you know start the week yeah I I made fun obviously made fun of that game last week and so I said
0: as it was unfolding and turned out that it was going to be an excellent game I said Never again will I make fun of Thursday Night Football. That's probably not true. I can't imagine that that is true. I will make fun of it again soon, but not this week. I've decided that this week I'm going to be very positive. And as you said, we've got a one really good team in Green Bay, and we'll see how good they are, and an interesting team, I think, in Chicago. So... Anything stand out to you in this
1: matchup? I mean, when you look at the the from the Bears side, I mean, it's really just the two players that we're counting on. I mean, they're really funneling their offense just through the running back position. I mean, their wide receivers really have, have not been involved outside of, you know, a junk script game uh, against Tampa Bay there when they had some production. So, I mean, you're really just kind of funneling in on Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Uh, Howard came back, you know, in a week where it didn't even look like he was going to be play, really be 100%, you know, with that shoulder injury and, you know, kind of really just lit up the Steelers. I mean, he had a touch on 68% of his snaps last week. It was the highest uh, for his career in a game. I mean, will they be able to have control a game script like that in most weeks? Probably not. Uh, but they're going to give you know Howard as many touches as he can while the game script allows most weeks. Uh, and, you know, Cohen has really just been as electric. And, you know, we we hate to make the, keep just rehashing the, the Darren Sproles comp and RIP Darren Sproles. Uh, but, you know, Cohen has been that electric, you know, when we first get when Darren Sproles first came out of the scene in San Diego. I mean, every time he touches the ball, you kind of want to watch. And, you know, that's what we're going to see Thursday night. A lot of people that haven't got to see Tariq Cohen uh, that don't have, you know, you know, Game Pass or the Red Zone channel or just saw some highlights of him, they'll get to watch him in, in the game and, you know, see every touch, you know, organically. And he's a fun guy to watch touch the football uh so i mean we'll have those two guys in the packers offense It's always the packers offense i mean aaron Rodgers is yeah we we saw that game on uh you know the sunday evening the afternoon game that tony romo had and god bless tony romo for joining you're know, deciding to retire and, and not join the houston texans or whatever team he was considering because he's he's a godsend in the booth uh but you know, the Packers, uh, it's always entertaining, even the, even when they don't have like a, a full complimentary of players like they haven't had this season on offense. Like Rodgers finds a way and, uh, you know, he's going to be able to be a guy that we can count on every week to, to give us, you know, at least entertaining portion of football, you know, just through his play, uh, you know, give us excitement no matter what.
0: Yeah, and I think that going back to Tariq Cohen, first of all, that overtime run that probably should have been a touchdown wasn't a touchdown. That that play was exceptional. He had a couple other runs in that game that were just unbelievable. That guy is unbelievable. And and like you said, you know, Jordan Howard, he had his he came back and everybody's excited about that. And I'm, you know, I'm back on board this week. But what happens when this game script gets on, out of hand? If it gets out of hand, you know, he played just 48% of the snaps when they were blown out by the Bucks. If that happens again, you know, how are we going to see Jordan Howard? What is going to happen? I think mm-hmm. Jordan Howard of this group probably has the higher ceiling or certainly has the higher ceiling. I think Cohen might end up being, you know, might end up being the more consistent play from week to week. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, you know, Kyle Long's back. Josh Sitton was getting in limited work this week. We might actually get to see the offensive line we thought. It's not so far-fetched to believe that the Bears are going to be able to execute what they want to execute, Mm -hmm. which is to control the ball, control the clock, play good defense, and, you know, kind of win that way. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that works out. On the Packers, I mean, we know what Ty Montgomery is going to do. He's averaging almost 20 touches a game. Hasn't been great. The Bears have been pretty good against running backs, but you're not, obviously, you're not doing anything except starting Ty Montgomery at this point. In the Packers passing attack, you mentioned it. They haven't really been full strength at all this season yet. This is only going to be their second game in which Randall Cobb, we think Randall Cobb's going to play. Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams will all be there to play. And I mean, I, I guess we're assuming that they're going to play the whole game. So how do you see that target share how do you see that target split really working out
1: yeah in the first two games really the matchups kind of lended themselves to Randall Cobb being really involved and he was you know catching the 15 passes the first weeks you know Seattle was a game a game that you know set up well to involve him because they defend the boundary receivers really well and then Atlanta is a very similar team where you know Robert Alford and Desmond are on the outside so I mean it's tough with the Bears because they're kind of they don't give up like these these huge passing numbers uh under Vic Fangio because they kind of of play like what the 40 they kind of are very similar to their, their defense is as good as those 49ers teams were, but the secondary pieces are no name dudes. But they keep playing kind of like average, you know, average to well, uh, because you know they kind of just play like that cover six, that cover four, like cloud coverage, trying not to give up huge plays, but they'll give up like a smattering of yardage, you know, to receivers. But not a lot of big wide receiver one games have typically gone down now. The past two weeks. After they shut down Julio in week one, we've seen, you know, Mike Evans have a real good game, wide receiver six, and then Antonio Brown is wide receiver eight, so maybe that's going to turn around a little bit. We know we're going to keep playing Jordy. Uh, he's going to be the prime red zone target. He's now scored in 13 of his past 19 games uh, played since the start of last year, so, I mean, you're going to always have a touchdown upside, and Devontae Adams is the guy I just can't really, like, and I don't own Devontae Adams anywhere, so it's... You know, he wasn't a guy I was willing to pay the price. But I mean, he's topped just 60 receiving yards now, and four of his past 12 games played. He just kind of lives off of, you know, being attached to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, we can't really fade him because he's probably still going to flirt with double digit touchdowns. Um, but I feel like that he's like really the true third wheel in the passing game, but, you know, probably has more touchdowns than Cobb. It's like if we can make Cobb and Adams one player. I really would like that. Yeah, I think that what, the reason you feel a lot better about his
0: outlook whenever Cobb is mm-hmm. out. It's simply because you know that he's going to get that targ- those targets. Now with Cobb back, you know we'll see what happens. He is dealing with the shoulder injury. We saw what that did to him. I'm interested in Martellus Bennett as well. I mean, he's the only Packer with more than 10 targets who's catching less than 60% of his opportunities. Aaron Rodgers is so good that his receiver catch rates are always very high. Hasn't been the case for Bennett. Dropped a lot of passes. Hasn't had a target yet in the red zone, which is a big surprise. Perhaps that changes this week, but... Aside from two big plays, Austin Hooper, the Bears have been pretty good against tight ends so far. They were above average against the position last year. So I'm I'm worried about Martellus Bennett. I think we're getting to a point here where, where maybe Bennett, you know, is only a in-good matchups kind of guy. And that's,
1: you know, that's, less than what I thought he was going to be early and before the season. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the way the Packers are typically used the tight end, it was probably, it was, it was hard to find like a full allotment of targets for Martellus Bennett, you know, like it was, it was really hard to see him like being a guy that was going to get you like a lot of reception based games to start the year. Um, you know, he's just a guy Like we were hoping for more touchdowns, like you said, being attached to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, how he was last year. I mean, he wasn't a guy that caught a lot of passes last year, but was a guy that scored touchdowns. And that's really all we want at the tight end position at least just give us some TDs because it's touchdown driven position. Like you said, he's got the most targets now in the whole NFL uh, without a red zone target. So, I mean. We're waiting on it still. And like you said, it's not a great matchup. It's a short week. He hasn't really got going. But, I mean, I think there are matchups down the road where we're going to want to see Martellus Bennett get involved. I mean, they still have the Saints on the schedule. We know they still got the Lions twice, Uh, although one is Week 17. We won't get that, uh, any piece of that. So, I mean, there are some times where we want to see this going because we want to get him into lineups when those matchups come around. Yeah, absolutely. I just Like you said, I
0: really wish we were seeing more in the red zone, and maybe we will. Mm -hmm. We'll see what... We'll see what happens this week. All right, let's move on to your worksheet column, which as I hope you all know by now, is published every Wednesday on RotorWorld.com. It's something you should read every week before you set your lineups. And I read it last week before before I set my lineups. I headed, still headed into the weekend being very sure that Deshaun Watson was going to struggle in New England. And of course he did the exact opposite, almost led the Texans to a win, Do you think there's a chance he's going to keep that going at home against the Titans this week?
1: I do. I mean, Watson has started off now his career with uh, 17.7 and 20.1 standard fantasy points, and that's in in negative 2 uh, turnover scoring Because he had some turnovers Last week as well And still put up 20 fantasy points You know and One of those starts Came on a short week uh, And another In Foxborough uh, Both on the road You know and, and we talk about Rookie quarterbacks In Foxborough Which is why I was sure He was going to struggle Last week Because it's a place That's just mush Rookie quarterback Play under Bill Belichick And that was a 300-yard passing performance in a game where he didn't even fully lean on DeAndre Hopkins as a crutch either. It's not like DeAndre Hopkins had a good game and carried Deshaun Watson with him. It was the opposite way. I mean, Deshaun Watson had a good game on his own merit. He got a lot of guys involved. Bruce Ellington, Ryan Griffin, not not superstar guys by any means. Uh, Dante Foreman had 70 yards receiving in that game and two big catches. Uh, So this week he gets to make his first home start against the Tennessee defense. They've allowed two of the three quarterbacks they face to put up 18-plus points. They've also allowed the past two quarterbacks they faced to rush for over 25 yards. And while we may not know the true floor for Deshaun Watson, we know. If you're gonna have me on, you know we're all about that 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 up up down down left right left right B A start. And Watson already has 18 fantasy points just on the ground through rushing, uh, through two and a half games, which is the second most rushing points in the league already for the season uh, amongst quarterbacks. So I think that he's a guy that if you are in a real tough quarterback spot and there are a lot of tough quarterback matchups this week, you might want to look for just a one week holdover, a guy that can probably get you a safe floor just through rushing, and then maybe the matchup itself, you know, going against Tennessee, you know, a guy that you can stream this week.
0: Yeah, I had him as one of my one of my top streamers in waiver wire this week, just for what you said, because you are probably going to be able to rely on a three or four point floor just based on the ground. And as we've seen with Tyrod Taylor, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, if you have that, you can be a good streamer, especially in good matchups. And this is a very good matchup. So we saw the Titans, you know, bust Russell Wilson out of his slump. Last week. So I'm I'm completely in on Watson this week. What about his number one receiver? You mentioned Hopkins. He didn't have to lean very hard on Hopkins. Hopkins had I'm gonna say only this would be a good day for a lot of receivers, but he had only eight targets, which was different than what we've seen earlier. Do you think that do you think that they're going to continue to spread the ball around? He Put a lot of passes Bruce Ellington Ryan
1: Griffin or do you think that Hopkins is going to bounce back be the number one receiver and be a good fantasy play this week? we talked about how uh I love that Konami code and we're going to go ahead and hit select start at the end of that code this week and make this a two-player game with Watson and DeAndre Hopkins I mean Hopkins is the only receiver with at least seven catches in every game this year He leads the NFL, even with only the eight targets last week, he still leads the NFL with a 39.8 target market share, which is still pretty crazy as as a number on its own merit, even in a small sample he destroys the Titans in the past. He's averaged 102 receiving yards per game against the Titans in eight meetings. It's the highest yardage uh, he averages versus an opponent that he's faced multiple times. And even though the Titans have reshuffled their personnel on the back end you know this season, both Logan Ryan and Dory Jackson have each given up production. They've both given up multiple touchdowns and coverage already through uh, three games. After allowing a league-high 12 wide receiver one scoring weeks last year, the Titans are the only team in the NFL that have a lot of top 12 scoring weeks to an opposing receiver in every week this season as well. So uh, I I like pairing both up uh, Watson and Hopkins, a little stacking par- partnership there. And I am actually
0: petitioning every, every fantasy football site to start counting defensive pass interference yardage gained because Hopkins would be, I mean the best, the best wide receiver in the league. If we start counting that he just, I had another one. I had another long DPI that he that he earned against the against the Patriots, set up a field goal, and he just he does it every week now. So so hopefully my please do not fall on deaf ears and we can uh, we can get Hopkins some extra points. Let's move on to Cincinnati, as as we always do after we talk kind of about the Patriots. And like I think some hoped, new offensive coordinator Bill Lazor came in, gave Joe Mixon the lion's share of the work, and we kind of saw him, it was an up and down performance. He had one really bad play late in the game, but It was pretty good from him. Now that we've seen him come out and kind of dominate snaps, dominate touches, is that one performance
1: enough for you to trust him moving forward. Yeah, you talked about Bill Lazer's first game. He kind of put pause on that triumvirate rotation in the Cincinnati backfield and kind of gave Mixon a big boost in playing time. After playing just uh, thirty point four percent of the team snaps and handling twenty five point six percent of the team touches through two weeks, he played fifty five point seven percent of the snaps and he had forty one point two percent of the touches last week. He turned that opportunity of twenty one touches into one hundred and one yards from scrimmage and was the RB nineteen uh, in PPR scoring last week. So I mean, there's a nice little RB two floor this usage can continue because like you said he didn't do anything that was really, you know, wowing or dazzling, and he had a couple of negative plays there. Uh, but just, you know, that opportunity alone in, in the way the running back landscape is is enough to, to give you a nice base to, to build off of. And the Browns so far have been solid against the run, but game script should balance out any efficiency scares again this week. I mean, after trailing for a league high 73% of their snaps in 2016, the Browns have trailed for a league high 82.1% of the snaps so far in 2017. And Cleveland is the only team in the league now that has trailed for every offensive snap that they've had in the second half this season uh, so i mean like we highlighted with christian mccaffrey last week i mean i think this is the week where Mixon kind of provides like the first true boost in the fantasy column uh, after kind of giving you you know like a couple flex worthy you know performances Whew. i i certainly hope
0: so and my dynasty teams hope so as well finally let's talk about austin sferry and jenkins who had five catches for 31 yards last week and his return from suspension do you expect
1: him to do better than that Against the Jaguars, you know, and uh, I had a, a reader already point out to me today that I was really down on a lot of tight ends in the worksheet this week, and I kind of went through it and like, yeah, it's not a great week for tight end play uh, this this week, uh, and even in the streaming category, there are just is not a lot of great tight end matchups. I mean, Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz are locked in, but then after them, it's. It's not a lot to like really love uh, in the tight end position, so you might be looking for a guy this week. And I couldn't really want to talk about pressing our luck with Jared Cook since he actually scored a touchdown last week. And we don't really want to just keep chasing good games from Jared Cook. I feel like we got lucky. You know, we'll take it. We'll take our Jared Cook game. We'll move on. Uh, you know, after serving a two-game suspension, you know, and rumors of him last week possibly inactive, you know, for being out of shape, ASJ played seventy-six percent of the New York snaps in Week Three. Uh, he matched the team league in targets with six, which was actually twenty-seven percent. Of the team total because the Jets actually won a football game and didn't have to throw a bunch. Uh, you know, forty percent of the receiving yardage uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team he's facing this week, has has been put up by tight ends. That's the highest rate in the league. Uh, and then, although Ben Watson, you know, kind of salvaged a terrible week with a junk TD against the Jags, the Jacksonville has now allowed a tight end one in every week of the season so far. So, I mean, I think that ASJ is a guy that is going to run some targets and has some uh, some upside at the position and. Uh, at a position that is t- is in its typical fashion, you know, lacking excitement for fantasy football.
0: Yeah. And I just, actually, you reminded me that I still had Jared cook in a, in a league. And I just traded out Austin Severian Jenkins for him. Cause as you said, we, we can't push that luck <laughs> two weeks in a row. You can't rely on Jared cook two weeks in a row. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember you can find his worksheet on rotoworld.com. As we speak, it's up, make sure you go and read that. You can also find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes Stardom and sit em, every week at rotoworld.com, which is up right now when you're listening to this podcast. So once you're done with us, go to rotoworld.com. Make sure you give it a read. What's going on, Nick?
2: What's up, Ray? About a quarter of the way through after this one.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going a little faster than I thought that it was going. I looked up and I went, oh, it's week four already. And I was I was a little surprised by that. And we finally got a good week of games, which we had really been dying to see a good week of games. We finally got them. Unfortunately, not a very predictable week of, of games. You know, Mercedes Lewis scoring three touchdowns, and we'll do that on a Sunday morning. But certainly, certainly a good week. Hoping for another one this week. And we're going to get to your starts and sits. And we'll start with a double dip, actually, here. Because earlier in the podcast, Rich talked about liking Joe Mixon, which you also like Joe Mixon, which means I guess we should definitely play Joe Mixon this week. So why are you on board?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not hard. It's it's not hard to like him this week. Uh, he played 55.7% of the snaps in Bill Lazor's first game as OC, and that came after Mixon played only 36.1% and 25% in weeks one and two, respectively. His touch total also came up, from, up to 21 from 11 and 10 the first two weeks, so... I think he's up to RB2 status. Lasers definitely scheming the ball to him and AJ Green. And I mean, the offense is going to run through those guys now. A quick hit offense, get the ball out quick, get it to your playmakers. And this matchup against the Browns doesn't really scare me too much, even though the Browns have handled running backs pretty well in yards per carry average. But Terrence West scored a touchdown two weeks ago, Frank Gore last week. So I like mixing this week a lot.
0: Yeah. The only thing that worries me is the Browns have been surprisingly good against the run. But like you said, I'm not I'm not really that scared of this matchup. All right, let's move on to another guy you like Devin Funches. You know, it sounds like Kelvin Benjamin may play. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but he was in pad. So we'll see what happens there, but you're still on Funches. Why?
2: Yeah. I mean, even if Benjamin plays, I think the, the Panthers are just going to have to throw the ball a ton. They're nine point underdogs, uh, way up in pace. They're the 26th pace offense right now. And the Patriots are first. So the Patriots really could dictate the, dictate the pace in this one, which could lead to more plays for Carolina. And then with Greg Olson out of the lineup, Funches saw 10 targets last week. Didn't do a whole lot with him, catching four of them for 58 yards, no touchdowns, but the volume's there. And then if Benjamin sits, obviously, I think could, Funches could see even more targets. So even if Benjamin's in lineup, I still like Funches as a wide receiver, three, four, flex play, somewhere around there. I'm not expecting a whole lot, but I definitely would consider him for lineups.
0: Yeah. Like you said, matchup is great. The Patriots have been shockingly bad on defense so far. The targets should be there. I don't think that Funchess is very good necessarily, but when you get that kind of opportunity, it's going to work out, especially especially if Benjamin sits. All right, let's move on to your sits. And the first name up is Admir Abdullah, one that I will agree with in almost any week. So why don't you like in particular this week?
2: I mean, Abdullah's getting the touches. He's had 17, 17, and 18 the first three games, but he's like in a really weird spot in this offense. He gets all the carries in between the 20s, but doesn't get pass game work, doesn't get carries or touches inside the 10-yard line. Uh, I mean, it's hard to score fantasy points when you don't score touchdowns or catch passes, especially in PPR formats, standard formats, everything. So I just don't like this matchup against the Vikings, who are only allowing 3.1 yards per carry to running backs, and they're the only team that haven't allowed a touchdown to to the position either. So it's just a bad matchup all around for Abdullah, and then Linval Joseph's return to health inside for the Vikings have just, has just been huge for that run defense.
0: Yeah, and like you said, he hasn't touched the ball inside the red zone in the last two weeks. It, if that's not going to happen, if he's not going to get touchdowns, it's difficult to see the upside. He's gone over 100 total yards in a game once in his career. I don't think he's ever done it. He's never had 100 yards rushing. He did have a long catch. He kind of got involved in the passing game last week, but that's mostly going to be theoretic. I just... I don't see the upside. I don't see the upside here. And like you said, the matchup is bad. So the downside, you know, the downside might be pretty low. So I agree with you for sure on that one. And finally, we talk about another guy in this game, Kyle Rudolph, who has had a a very rough start to the season. And it sounds like you expect that to continue.
2: Yeah, I was pretty low on Rudolph over the summer as well, because I knew Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen were healthy. Dalvin Cook was drafted, which who offers much more in the past game than Adrian Peterson and Matt Asiata ever did. So that's just going to take away targets from Rudolph as well. So he's 28th at the position in targets per game at tight end, seeing fewer, fewer looks than guys like George Kittle, Steven Anderson, Seth DeValve. I mean, Rudolph isn't getting any looks in the scoring area. He's blocking more. I mean, when everyone's healthy, he's just there's just not a lot to go around in Minnesota. So, And they're getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers more. So I just don't like this spot at all for Rudolph.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's not even a – Terrible matchup against Detroit, who you know they'll get Jared Davis back probably this week, but still you don't you're not scared of their linebackers at all. But I mean, just not getting the targets. He had two targets last week against the Bucks, a Bucks team which, by the way, like was decimated by injury at linebacker, and so you you would expect him to be involved, just wasn't there. I'm on board. I, I think Kyle Rudolph has to definitely be downgraded at this point. All right, thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio. You can also follow Rich on Twitter. At Lord Reeves. I'm on Twitter at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast. We very much appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week.